You are Locked On 76ers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia 76ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 76ers. I'm your host, Keith Pompey. Happy Tuesday to you. It's Tuesday, September the 25th. Wow, tonight's the night of the blue and white scrimmage. I know a lot of people are excited to get a sneak peek of Joel Embiid, Markel Folks, Ben Simmons, Jared Bayless, TJ McConnell, Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, and the list goes on and on. You know, we're going to talk about Markel Folks' shot for a while. You know, I really don't know what to say about it because it's still early. You know, like one day, uh, I believe this is how it's going to go. I believe one day it's going to look good, better than it did before. Then he's going to have days when he goes back to having his struggles. I think it's going to be like that a while until he progresses. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about his shot. But until I actually see it over a sustained time, there's really no commenting on it. You know, there's really nothing to say right now. I mean, because it's not like the 76ers are you know, putting out videos or, or having us in the gym early when he's shooting threes. I mean, we saw some scrimmage stuff. Actually, one scrimmage that we saw, and he attempted one shot in the portion that we were in there. It hit the front of the rim, bounced up, bounced four times on the back of the rim, and fell down. It was around 12 feet. It wasn't a three. It was in the paint on a pick and roll. So, you know, I I need to see some three-pointers over time because it's not fair to him to see him shoot the ball poorly one day but don't get the whole gist of everything. I mean, heck, Steph Curry came to Philly one day and went 0 for on threes. I know Steph Curry can shoot the three. So, and then there's some other guys came to Philly one day and was lights out. And I knew that that was their one shining moment. So, you know, it's not fair to him to talk about that. But the one thing I do want to talk about is Joel Embiid. The Sixers want Joel to play bully ball. Now, again, they don't want him to just play bully ball. They want him to incorporate that more in this game. Now, anyone who watched the 76ers the last two two seasons know that Joel Embiid is arguably the most versatile big man in the league that we have right now. Some may argue that DeMarcus Cousins is right there with him. But when you look at the difference in height, now I know DeMarcus is around seven. He's seven-footer. Joel's seven-two. Joel's huge. I mean, huge. He's mammoth. You know, he makes seven-footers look small. So when you factor in that Joel Embiid is a beast on the block, you factor in that Joel Embiid has an 18-footer that is amazing. 
you factor in that Joel Embiid can step out and drain a three. You have to say that he's the most versatile guy. Or at least you can argue it. Some people are going to come out, come back with other people. But you can argue it. Right? And we're not even talking about his defensive presence. We're talking about offense. Now, the 76ers realize that he's the most versatile guy, in my opinion, in the league that I'm arguing. <laughs> say. So, with that being said, the Sixers would love for Joel to be a beast on a block. But they also want him to incorporate his other, the other parts of his game as well. So they want him to pick and choose. Now, like I said earlier, we know his versatility. We know how good he is. But we also know that Joel's best games have come when he started off playing bully ball in the block. And what bully ball means is it's not he's not smacking anyone and trying to take their heart. But what it is is the Sixers describe bully ball as him getting on the block getting touches low, taking one or two steps, and attacking the rim. You know, and he, he the one scrimmage that we saw, he did that. They gave him the ball like that, crashing the boards and the pick and rolls, doing other things. And it was one of those things where um, he kept getting to the foul line. It was either he would get fouled or make the shot. And then good for him, make the shot and get fouled. You know, three-point play. So, you know, to me, it just seems as if that I think that they need to start that way all the time. I mean, I don't mean it, you know, and nothing against Joel. Again, the most versatile player. But I remember looking at games and the game would start. He's trailing. They're in like transition. He's trailing and they'll kick the ball out to him. For an uncontested three. Whenever he made that shot. I always says. Uh oh. We're going to see him shooting seven threes today. Now. Joel. Like I said. He can shoot it. But he shot. 30.8% on three pointers last year. Now again. When you say seven foot. Seven foot two. That's good. But. When he's seven foot two and he shot thirty percent on threes, in some games he might try to hoist up a lot. You're the opposing team. You're saying, "Okay, I'm gonna live with that. I'm gonna live with that." You know, because there have been some games where the first two games of the season he started out zero for four on threes. First game, second game he was zero for six. Right? Then he's had some games where. He was one for four, one for five. But then he also has some games where, in my opinion, his best game of his career came on November the 15th at the Los Angeles Lakers where he scored 46 points. He had 15 rebounds, and he shot two for three on threes. Right? Now... In that game, 
Joel began it by attacking the rim. Oh, also, he had seven blocks that game, but, you know, and seven assists. But he began that game by attacking the rim. And then all of a sudden, it got to a point where he stepped out a couple times and he made threes. He only attempted three of them. He made two. But he was in that rhythm, you know, and they couldn't do anything with him. Now, when he shoots these threes and when he typically makes his first one, he gets hot. There are times when I felt like he basically says, okay, I'm a splash brother. I'm going to stay out here and I'm going to shoot these threes. And what that does is it takes defensive pressure off the opposing team. Yeah, he can make some of them. But you're keeping your center out of foul trouble. You don't have to draw double teams. That by you drawing double teams, uh, that opens things up for J.J. Redick and the other perimeter players. So you want him taking that shot. Now, Brett Brown said, hey, it's one of those things where we know he can do everything, so we have to pick and choose. To me, it's simple. Start them off playing bully ball early on. Let it open it up for everyone else. And then also enable him to hit a couple threes a game after he's established the low post, established himself in the low post. You know, I think that if Joel Embiid can do that, he'll definitely be one of the top three players, regardless of position in the game. You know, especially with him being in shape now, especially with him like, you know, having the summer to train. I don't see anyone stopping him. The only thing is I can see him stopping himself by settling for the three too much, too much. And I know sometimes some people may argue fatigued. He wasn't in shape. Banging down low was making a toll on his knees, his foot, his back, whatever you call it. Oh, every element he had. But I, I again believe that with him being in shape, establish yourself on the block. And then if you want to, take it outside. But you got to start there first. Hey, I want to thank you all for listening to this podcast and have a great day. I have some stuff for you tomorrow. Um, just recapping, you know, how uh, the blue and white scrimmage went. Peace. You are locked on 76ers. Your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.